on the spectrum of germophobes, I fall somewhere in the middle. I'm not as paranoid as Howard Hughes, who late in life walked around with Kleenex boxes on his feet, <laughs> certain that they offered protection against germs. Nor am I as carefree as my good buddy Jordan, who on a dare from a friend and a prize of $20 once licked a payphone in the New York City subway. Like the receiver. There's a video. It's amazing. I would categorize my, my approach to germs as pragmatic concern. I don't lie in bed awake for fear of diseases, but I'm cautious especially in the post-pandemic world. I don't love being really close to strangers. Packed buses and the like give me the heebie-jeebies. Not so long ago, though, I was in DFW. I had to charge my phone and my Kindle. And I went up to one of those little islands, the like, charging station islands, you know, that, where they have little seats on either side. Kind of look like an, uh, like an island in the, uh, in the kitchen. And I, the only place that I, where I could sit, there was someone directly across from me, uh, which was pretty, it made me pretty uncomfortable. Like, it felt like the people might be, they, I felt like they were breathing on me. They were, like, closer than you would be sitting at, like, a dinner table, right? <laughs> so it was, it was quite uncomfortable. It's not very fun being breathed on. My brother used to, when we were little, we used to, like, pin me down and <laughs> breathe on me as, like, a torture. <laughs> but being breathed on these days feels especially disgusting. <laughs> In that way, this portion from God, John's gospel feels very different post-COVID, right? Uh, my older boys, Jimmy and Henry, they love the Chronicles of Narnia. You guys all read the Chronicles of Narnia. We read them at bedtime, usually about a chapter um, and, of course, the, the, the staple, the, the, the cornerstone for that series is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Do you guys kind of remember the premise of The Lion, the Witch, and the war, Wardrobe? The white witch has, has kind of taken over Narnia, and uh, she, uh, she has taken any dissenters, any dissenters to the white witch, come into her castle, and she turns them to stone. And at the end of the book, Aslan, the lion, the divine figure, comes and takes Lucy and Susan into this, the witch's lair all to all these dissenters who have been turned to stone. And Aslan breathes on them. He breathes on them and brings them back to life. And it is from that group that they are able to, to stop the White Witch. C.S. Lewis knew what he was doing in that passage. It's no coincidence that that passage resembles this passage. That portion is a metaphor for the spirit, making us into flesh and blood, not stone, not 
statues. We are not impervious. The Spirit helps connect us by making us vulnerable, just as Jesus was vulnerable, just as Jesus is corporal, bodily. Resurrected Jesus is bodily, not a spirit. Jesus is God incarnate. In John's Gospel, from the beginning, there's this notion of the logos, of the word of God, what we normally translate the word. But the, that Greek term logos has connotations that go beyond just that, that calling it word. In Greek uh, philosophy, the logos was the blueprint for creation. It was it was the pattern upon which all things were made. So when John says the word became flesh, he's saying that all of nature has come together into this form. Today we celebrate a belated Earth Day, a worldwide celebration with roots right here in SB. Does everybody know this? On January 28, 1969, a well on Union Oil Platform A in the Santa Barbara Channel blew out, and more than 3 million gallons of oil spewed, killing over 10,000 seabirds, dolphins, seals, and sea lions. On the one-year anniversary of this bill, SB organizers held Environmental Rights Day, which inspired Wisconsin Senator Gaylord Nelson and Harvard undergraduate Dennis Hayes to organize something similar. They enlisted the help of Madison Avenue advertiser, real-life Don Draper, for all of you Madman fans out there, Julian Koenig, to come up with this thing called Earth Day. The name, the name was Koenig's cheeky reference to Birth Day, because Koenig had suggested that the event be held on April 22nd, which was his birthday. <laughs> but it worked. Dennis Hayes, who was only 20 years old, risked half of this organization's money on a full-page ad in the New York Times that Koenig had made, and Earth Day became a national phenomenon in 1970. Today, as we read John's gospel in the context of Earth Day and of Easter, we recognize that the resurrection has environmental implications. Humanity destroys the blueprint for nature, the logos, the Christ. Nature is resurrected, but humanity must reconcile destruction and grace. It was not long ago that humanity looked at nature as an adversary. People were afraid of nature, just as we have been afraid of COVID, right? Back to the germaphobe thing. Nature demands respect. respect. It reminds us that we are vulnerable. This passage reminds us what it is to feel the breath of God softening our hearts. God is calling us to engage the natural world, to engage with forgiveness, healing, and grace. Right now, there are many, particularly in our country, 
who are like Thomas. They don't believe it until they see it. No matter how much we tell people that climate change is real, that species loss is catastrophic, that environmental degradation disproportionately affects people of color, however much we share the facts that we have learned, there are many people who simply will not believe what we have to say. Doesn't necessarily make those folks bad. Yes, perhaps they are victims of a culture of misinformation, but we must find a way to let disbelievers feel the wounds of the world, to know the perils of the body of Christ, the Logos. As for me, I have seen the wounds of Christ. I have witnessed the pain that is here and is to come. I have seen the wounds in the water, the air, the fires, the birds, the people. I have sat with some of the 14.5 million people whose homes were destroyed by extreme weather last year. I have talked to the 2.7 million people whose jobs in fossil fuels are about to end. As well, as well as the 10.3 million jobs in clean energy that could come globally in the next, uh, before 2030. And I felt the divine presence most accurately, most acutely in nature. I have felt God with me in the water, on the mountains, in the deserts, in the forests, on the chaparral. I've I feel God in the biblical narrative of liberation, liberation of and through the earth. God moved over the surface of the deep. God delivered the people through the water and the desert. And God revealed God's self in flesh and blood. God is not a visitor to the world, not an outside observer. God is with us here and now. And we are just beginning to see how our vast interdependence on this planet is more than a metaphor, more than a metaphor for our mystic union with the divine. As I sat there at DFW with that breathing partner at the little charging station aisle, (laughs) airport officials came around taking down the signs that gave COVID safety instructions. It was a sign. It was a sign of healing. It was a sign that things are changing. The culture is changing. The earth is changing. It was a sign that we can breathe again. The mustard seed this week is to go on a nature treasure hunt. There's a National Geographic article recently on the search for frogs in the Tipui Bluffs that rise up out of the rainforest on the border of Guiana and Venezuela. The article mentioned how diamond mines threatened to destroy the rich biodiversity of this region, which is still largely unexplored. It also says that 
the history of El Dorado in that region, the promise of an El Dorado, is one that is, is still has a legacy there. But the real El Dorado, the real treasure in the area, is not gold and jewels, but the wildlife. This week, the mustard seed is to go on a treasure hunt. Look for treasures of the natural world. Birds, fish, whales, frogs, insects, flowers. Look for treasure, not to keep yourself, but to share with all of the community of interdependence on this planet. Have a great week. With trust and hope, we turn our hearts to God in prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles, and bring them the joy of your salvation. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For the good earth, and for the wisdom to live into our interdependence with all of God's creation. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for prisoners and captives, and for all who remember and care for them. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. God, the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For deliverance from all violence, oppression, and degradation. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For the good work of this community, may our roles be uplifted by one another as we do healing work in Isla Vista and beyond. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. We pray for Becca and her family and her friends. We pray for Diane. We pray for the people of the Ukraine. We pray for this planet that we may live into our interdependence with all of God's creation. For all of these we pray. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. All that we have asked faithfully, grant that we may obtain effectually to your honor and glory. Amen. And now we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And give us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory.
go in peace to love and serve the Lord.